Welcome, everyone. Welcome. My name's Deborah Lennis. I'm a very, 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 very proud Durable woman, a local elder. I'm also the cultural advisor at Inner West Council. These podcasts are about history and learning where you live, what you can do. And as I often say, Australia has, yes, a very black history, but there is no white history. What we have is a shared history. So, on behalf of the Gadigal and Wongal peoples of the Eora Nation, I'd like to say, Birawagal, Naninya, Birawagal, welcome, everyone, welcome. Sydney, capital of New South Wales. Sydney's story is full of unique things. Building a bridge in Sydney over the harbour too. Famous things. And overlooking the famous harbour, Sydney Opera House. Iconic things. One of Australia's most iconic landmarks, the Sydney Harbour Bridge. Tall things. Sydney Tower, the instantly recognisable soaring symbol has changed names. Oh, I remember this. I know a place... Hang on a minute. Why does the harbour hog all the icons? This is Inner West Icons, the other side of Sydney. I'm Bernie Hobbs, long time, long time Inner Westie. Come with me to the Inner West, Gadigal Wongal country. This episode's icon is Reverse Garbage, a creative reuse centre in Marrickville find out how school teachers kicked it all off. They were scraps, but in a classroom, enormously useful. What it was like in the early days was a cross between a jumble sale and a junkyard. How reverse garbage helped Sydney Mardi Gras to be so fabulous. Reverse garbage became a treasure trove. <laughs> and the weirdest and most popular things they've sold in their nearly 50-year history. In came a bunch of chihuahua dogs. And people absolutely freaked out. Reverse Garbage has been around since 1975. It's one of Australia's oldest cooperatives and people come from all over Sydney. Would you like it back on the roll or is it OK like this? Let's take a tour with CEO Kirsten Juna. We have our fabulous counter area that was built totally out of reuse materials. The name Reverse Garbage says it all. Stuff that would usually get chucked in the skip, factory offcuts, event props, that thing that someone ordered too much of, that stuff can have another life and be reused. And then we head off to the left where Reverse Garbage really started our famous filler bag section. So how did all this get started? Phil Nanlowe is going to tell us. He's one of the co-founders of Reverse Garbage. In the 70s, Phil was studying to be a teacher. Back then, state schools were chronically underfunded. So different from now. For most public schools where funds are limited, pieces of paper of art paper would be counted out. On his first classroom placement, called a prac, he saw something out of the ordinary. Phil noticed that the school had a lot of resources, stuff like paper, cardboard and fabric. The teacher there, he talked to me about being able to go to local businesses and talk to them about donating their offcuts or what would normally be scrap to the school. They were 
scraps, but in a classroom, enormously useful. More classroom resources meant teachers and kids could learn more creatively. Now, that idea then stuck with me and... On a Tuesday evening, inside a suburban community hall in Sydney, men are sitting on fold-up chairs, chatting, smoking, completely legal back then. <coughs> the men are members of the local Rotary Club, a service organisation of business and community leaders. Phil Nan Lowy is there too. I can remember in the early days, I'd be invited along as a light relief to um, Rotary or to those sorts of business people clubs. Phil's got a beard and he's wearing a paisley shirt. As he stands at the lectern to speak, he looks out on a sea of moustaches and pale blue and beige business shirts. <coughs> there were three simple things I needed to say. I asked them, how much does it cost you to get rid of your materials now? Secondly, is it possible that you would want to do some good for the community? And thirdly, will you have one of our barrels so that we can come and pick up at your place? And that seemed to, um, to jive. And it was that win-win that was the basis of the proposition, that if we could get good quality, clean, safe offcuts that community members and schools and, you know, early childhood centres and um, churches and all sorts of community groups that they could use for their purposes, then the businesses would um, save money. So in 1975, Phil and some other teachers formed a cooperative and got themselves a truck. But it was the 70s, so it wasn't actually a truck. It was a combi. The first person, I think, needs to have a lot of credit for making it happen was Alan Kessing. Now, he was the coordinator for about a year. He had a combi van. Now, before Alan left, one of the things he did was to um, help Addison Road Community Centre to get formed, and that meant that we reverse garbage were one of the founding organisations here. The Addy Road Community Centre, as it's locally known, was a former army depot in Marrickville that the Whitlam government gifted to the community in 1975. Reverse garbage moved into a big old army drill hall. They've moved, but they're still in Marrickville, over in Carrington Road. It's a part of Marrickville that's still industrial. And now Reverse Garbage has small business, factories and artist studios as neighbours. The land that Addy Road Community Centre sits on, and most of Marrickville and nearby Sydenham, has another name, Gumbramora Swamp on Gadigal Country. Here's historian and curator Dr Stephen Gapps. It was known as a rich area of resources because it was, um, you know, a classic area of uh, people say swamps, but, you know, a waterway, very flat, very full of reeds and full of fish, of wildlife, you know, and economic opportunity. So it was a really rich area. Aboriginal resistance leader and warrior Pemelway grew up between the nearby Cooks and Georges rivers. In the early frontier wars of the 1790s, Pemelway crossed this land 
Pemway, he was ranging right across the inner west. He would certainly have gone through the Gubramora Swamp, which we now know as Marrickville area. Uh, now it's full of <laughs> full of landfill <laughs> and, and houses and cars. <laughs> but um, the remnants are there. You can see you can see how when Marrickville floods, <laughs> that's because it's built on a swamp. Helen remembers going to reverse garbage at Addison Road, not long after it opened. I'm Helen Sart. I was brought up in a small bush community and my brothers and I spent most of our time playing in the bush because we just didn't have toys to play with. I started going to reverse garbage in about 1976 It was in a very old-style warehouse building. It was like going into what was a cross between a jumble sale and a junkyard. (laughs) At the time, we had four children under the age of five. They were a little bit put off when they tried to enter the reverse garbage as it literally did look on the dark side and they didn't know what was inside. While I had said there were all sorts of wonderful things that they could look at, I'm assuming they thought that meant animals or toys, certainly not industrial offcuts and bits and pieces that they'd never been exposed to before. But it only took five minutes before they were all digging into what they had thought was a wonderful find and adding it to our bag of goodies to bring home each time. So we've got lots of milk bottle tops. Here's some good sound for you. Um, that was That is the sound of gold and silver lids, everybody. Then we have here um, gelato cups. Oh, look, I'm a Foley artist now from a shop up in King Street in Newtown. They were closing down. He knew about us and instead of throwing these things out, they've come here and now lots of them are being used in early childhood centres for paint pots, sorting, also great for planting in your seedlings and things like that. These are, imagine lunar landscapes, I think is the best way to describe them. They come from a plastics factory. Imagine when you leave your hot glue gum and it oozes out as it's cooling and it all pools. This is a big blob of black shiny um, plastic that's set and these are loved by um, sci-fi science fiction model makers because they just look like the surface of the moon or some weird alien landscape. Little um, kids love them because they look like poo. There's not an art um, graduation that I don't see a few of these floating around in. Sometimes you know what you want. Um, making a barbarian costume. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not real good at it. And sometimes you're inspired by what you find. And these, we get lots of negatives. So imagine a thong flip-flop. You get the foot shape and then they push that out of something and we get the surround. This is a very similar. So I've got a five centimetre wide um, piece of plastic full of little holes. But they're really good because they're holes. You can teach kids counting, weaving, fine motor skills. So that's the other joyous thing about being here is that you can give the same resources to a hundred different people and everyone will come up with a different idea. 
I found this entry in one of my old diaries and it goes like this. Thursday, 29th of December, 1977. I made a tennis net out of old strips of white material from the reverse garbage truck. It worked out okay. I'm going to start and teach Stephen and Karen how to play tennis these holidays. When the children were asleep, I put the strips of white material that I had gathered at the reverse garbage on the lounge room floor and for three nights in a row I spent hours knotting together what I thought turned out to be a rather wonderful imitation of a tennis net. We got two gardening stakes which were hardwood and I used to uh, bash them down into the ground and we used to attach the tennis net to them which was quite secure and my name is George Sard, I'm Helen's husband. George and I were very keen for our children to become interested in sport at a young age. Helen might say, oh what about if you put the tennis net up and see if the kids would, uh, you know, have a game of tennis or You know, sometimes they have their friends over. It was another activity that could be provided for them to uh, play with. And, uh, yeah, it was quite, quite good. And while we weren't financially able to provide the latest sporting goods for them, Stephen went on to become a very good tennis player. In Australia, the 70s were a time of social change. Reverse garbage was part of that activism, and so was the gay rights movement. Sydney's first Mardi Gras march was in 1978. 500 people marched at a time when being out meant you could lose your job, or worse. Here's Peter Tully in a 1986 documentary by Sydney Mardi Gras. Well, we started off very modestly with only a few thousand people, but obviously there was a need for carnival in Sydney and the gay community needed uh, a focus and this has provided it and it has just mushroomed. Peter Tully is said to have invented Mardi Gras. In this oral history, artist Ron Smith describes the vision of Peter Tully. The great Australian tradition of passivity, of people always want to buy something and they want to watch something, they don't actually want to do something or join into something. Yeah, the idea was to try and get people in and participating, dancing and celebrating as much as possible. The world's most spectacular nighttime parade and all night back and up. To get into costume and then for the uh, costumes to be obviously as high as possible and as fluoro as possible and as dramatic as possible. And where were all these fabulous fluoro costumes going to come from? Peter was one of the original users of an institution called the Reverse Garbage Truck. And Mardi Gras had a subscription and Peter had tricks like you paid, I think it was five bucks per garbage bag, but Peter had already perfected. You didn't take ordinary garbage bags, you took giant garden cleanup bags 
and you um, methodically stuffed them as solidly as possible to make that five bucks go as far as possible. So there were enormous bins in the workshop of reverse garbage products, huge rolls of old cigarette foil and gold foils and fabric offcuts and um, leather scraps. The leather scraps and gold foil would go from reverse garbage to the Mardi Gras workshop. Oh, I have Press Fish here at the Gay Mardi Gras workshop in charge of quality control and efficiency. Now, it may look a little freeform down here at the workshop, but we do get things done. It's basically always a very creative place with men and women working together and, and huge creativity. John Allen is a curator specialising in queer culture and history. And between them, they created wonderful satirical floats and costumes and all of this kind of um, made its point and its point was about sort of you know gay liberation and equality etc but made it in a an entertaining colorful way that uh, really took the Mardi Gras from a just a, a, a protest parade into an event of international cultural significance. Aspasia Leonardo worked at Reverse Garbage in the 2000s before Mardi Gras, these groups had come in and buy lots and lots of material to make props, costumes, outfits for Mardi Gras. And the beauty was, once it was finished, they would come back. So the raw material that had been purchased would actually come back as all these outfits and props and just fabulous. CEO Kirsten Junit says they start getting phone calls the day after the parade, asking if the floats and costumes have already arrived. It's the first event in the unofficial reverse garbage calendar. Then Easter, Mother's Day, then we'd be heading into Vivid, then yeah, Halloween's getting bigger, which is awesome, and then what are these festivals at the end of the year? So there's this nice ebb and flow kind of know what things will be coming in. Hey, did you know Reverse Garbage is the hidden jewel of Sydney? A not-for-profit community cooperative, Reverse Garbage is Australia's largest and most highly regarded creative resource reuse organisation, annually redirecting over 10,000 cubic metres of waste from going to land. As Sydney changes, so does the kind of stuff that businesses donate. As the manufacturing base of Sydney moved out and was sent overseas, um, then we needed to get more and more one-off donations. A lot of events companies, so they will do an event and then have stuff left over, like all that lavender I'm staring out out there. I have no idea where that came from, but we got boxes of it. Someone ordered far too much. <laughs> it's a mixture of manufacturing, light industry, events, film, television. We're cheaper than prop hiring. I can spot a props buyer a million miles away. I can spot an early childhood educator a million miles away. We invented the fear of missing out. Truly, I have people here every day. As soon as anyone starts a conversation with me, I was in here a couple of months ago. Nope, not here, gone. But you don't even know what I'm gonna ask for. Unless it's hessian sacks, zips or buttons, I can tell you it's not here anymore. Luckily, it's okay to miss out at reverse garbage. Chances are something else will catch your eye. Aspasia Leonardo. You don't go to reverse garbage to find a specific thing because you won't. You go to reverse garbage to be inspired. Yeah, it's, it's a, a place of temptations. And for me, a place of resources. Local artist Elizabeth Rankin. My favourite thing that I made, my favourite, favourite, favourite thing 
going for reverse garbage and I spy out of my eye very old B-frames and they're, they're lovely, they're beautiful things. So I bought all of them that I could and I made these little wooden structures out of those. They were quite physically beautiful and I've still got them. You end up with barrel loads of stuff, things you should never have thought you should acquire but which you've temporarily fallen in love with and you've taken home. And then you end up storing it and you store it for too long. So the danger of reverse garbage is that you become reverse garbage. Artists, sculptors, set designers and costume makers rely on reverse garbage to help bring big creative ideas to life. Go to a maker's market in Sydney and you'll see reverse garbage materials reused and reinvented. Go to the cutaway at Sydney Biennale, an international festival of contemporary art, look up and, yep, reverse garbage. The most popular item people buy at reverse garbage is a humble one, the hessian sack. Gardeners love them for worm farms and weed matting, and a hessian sack makes a good dog bed too, though I'm not sure how my girl Stella would feel about that. And in the running for the weirdest item ever sold, a bunch of chihuahuas, some teeth and a coffin. In came a bunch of chihuahua dogs and they were made from some animal hide but they looked like they were taxidermied dogs. So 28 of these things came in, right, and we put them out for sale. Is there one there, Jamie? I think there is one here somewhere and if I can show it to you. It's sitting cross-legged with its arms at the back of its head. They weren't all like that in that position. Some of them were just in a normal, you know, dog position. But people thought that they were like real taxidermied chihuahuas and absolutely freaked out. And Narelle, the boss, said to me, get them off the floor now. And I said, well, what are we going to do with them? She goes, get rid of them. And I said, can I have them? She said, they're yours. So I've actually got a box of 28 of them. So that was a pretty weird thing that really actually polarised people. It really freaked them out. So let's go look at all the teeth. So there we go. These are the plaster, when you go to the dentist, the plaster cast moulds. We will never know who these were. There's no records of who they were, but we've got boxes and boxes of upper teeth and lower teeth. I would say thousands. People are buying them mostly to do artworks, um, scare people. CEO Kirsten Juna talking about those teeth. Maybe they're the one thing that doesn't sell out. No FOMO there. We did have a coffin or a casket donated once. And <laughs> where did this come from? I don't know. It happened so quickly. I don't know. It went in, it went out. Usually around Halloween time, these things are... Um, you know, asked for. One big question. Why reuse? Couldn't all this stuff just be recycled? Okay, maybe not the teeth and definitely not the chihuahuas, but 
Recycling, it takes energy. You're turning a single-use item back into a single-use item. So those resources have been shipped with the stuff in it to the shop. Then you take it back to the recycling. Then it's the energy to go back and it's turned into something else. So it's about extending that life of that item, reusing it as many times as you can before it either is disposed of properly or then invariably ends up going to landfill. And look, we don't kid ourselves at everything here, some of which doesn't, you know, it end up in landfill. But we're extending that life. We're creating opportunities for businesses and people to dispose of things sustainably and ethically. So reverse garbage inspires people to make reuse their first choice. Environmental impact? Tick. Creative impact? Tick. And one last surprising thing I bet you did not know, social impact. Tick, tick. We work with um, community justice and we have volunteers that work here as part of their community service. We work with Centrelink to help older people volunteer with us so they retain their benefits. And we also work with state revenue for people to pay off fines. It's a really safe, inclusive space that enables them to do this. So our social impact is just as big as our environmental, I believe. Well, I'm off to reverse garbage to get me some teeth to upcycle as a soap dish. Yes, you can copy that idea. If you have a weird and wonderful item you found at Reverse Garbage, we'd love to hear about it. Tag Inner West Icons on Instagram or record your story directly into the website, innerwesticons.com. And the website has photos of those teeth, the chihuahuas, don't say I didn't warn you, Mardi Gras costumes and more. So what's the next Inner West Icon to rival Sydney Harbour, I hear you ask? It's the Greenway. It was kind of, oh, the canal, where kind of strange things happen at night. It's so green and all the trees have grown up and I love it down here now. Yeah. This is an independent podcast. If you liked it, please do just one thing. Tell one friend to have a listen. That's all. Just one friend. Thanks. Inner West Icons is hosted by me, Bernie Hobbs. It's researched, written and produced by Jane Curtis. Sound engineering by John Jacobs. Special thanks for this episode to Leah Thurek and Editorial Brains Trust, Kate Lawrence and Natalie Jacobson. This podcast is made with support from Inner West Council's Community History and Heritage Programme.